0: Thank you. Yeah, no cats, especially no wildcats. Uh, keep those out of the house. Uh, my daughter loves to wear purple and pink, and so she tells me all the time that she loves uh, the Jayhawks, but she also loves the wildcats, and she also loves the Shockers, and I'm still working on her, and hopefully I'll be able to keep her um, so, hey, I am very thankful uh, to get to be here and have another opportunity to preach uh, before all of you uh, have another opportunity to speak. I've been here a couple times before, and I'm excited uh, to preach today from Isaiah 38. Um, we're actually going to take a little bit of a, of a sidetrack into Second Kings 20. And so if you have a Bible and you want to begin to turn there, we're going to actually read the passage from 2 Kings 20. It gives us a little bit more detail than Isaiah 38 does, but it's saying the same thing. It's saying the same story. It's a, it's in parallel with it. And so we're going to take a look at that. I'm excited about going through Isaiah because Isaiah is just one of these books, uh, especially the early chapters, chapters one to 39. It's all about God's judgment uh, and God's hope. And that's something that um, we struggle with as a culture judgment we wrestle with how do we judge one another within the church? How do we deal with some of the things that are going on? Uh, when bad things happen, is there going to be judgment? Uh, when evil is, is a part of our world, will God judge that? Or will he allow it to continue? Will he allow it to go unfettered? But there's also hope throughout Isaiah. If we have this, uh, this theme of judgment and hope, it continues to come up. Uh, judgment and hope. And we are given hope Here in this passage of Isaiah 38, uh, 2 Kings 20, we're given some hope. Um, This whole passage is about uh, dealing with an intense... Uh, stress, dealing with a sickness. And I would imagine that many of you uh, may be starting to feel stressed here at school. Uh, this is about the time of year where I get a number of additional prayer requests. But typically at this point in the school season and the school uh, semester, this is where I get requests for, hey, I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm under a lot of stress. I've got these exams coming up. Could you pray for me? Could you pray that I would do well on these exams? Um, could you?" Uh, maybe uh, pray just that God would alleviate some of the anxiety that I've, I'm facing. And and that's what uh, we see being dealt with here in this text. And so um, uh, there's a, a few things, uh, places we can turn. Uh, this text is going to offer us the place we should turn, uh, the, the one we should turn to, but many times we find ourselves turning to a number of different things. You, you have your big midterms coming up. Uh, you know you need to study. You know you need to try and retain as much as you can. And so uh, some of you, I imagine, have done some all-nighters, have pulled some. Uh, Sometimes you're going to try and cram as much in, and it, it stresses you out even more. Some of you will stress yourself out so much you become sick, physically sick, And Hezekiah, the guy that we're going to be uh, taking a look at his story, he is is not just physically sick. He he becomes sick to the point of death. Now, we we look a lot of look to a lot of different things to help alleviate this. Uh, Some of us might go to a doctor and say, hey, uh, can you get me some meds? Some of you are like, yeah, pop some Adderall uh, just to just to make it through, just to deal with it, just to be able to uh, to try and focus a little bit more. Uh, some of you may have tried some other things. Uh, one time I actually pretended to be a hypnotist uh, for a talent show. Uh, it was just all pretend, of course. But one of the things that I told everybody before we started is that if they wanted to volunteer and be hypnotized, uh, that they were going to feel as if they'd had an extra eight hours of sleep, that their stress was going to be relieved. And, and you, wouldn't, uh, you would guess that everybody raised their hand saying, I'd like to volunteer for that. I'd like to to have less stress. I'd like to feel more rested. I'd like to feel healthier about my condition. Uh, But the whole thing was a farce because I'm not a hypnotist. Uh, Hypnotism, I I don't know if it has any effect. But this text says don't go to hypnotists. Uh, You can go to a doctor and you can get some medication. And there's many instances where that's a wonderful thing to do. But this text tells us one place, one person, when you are facing intense stress, when you are sick to the point of death, where do you go? Where do you turn to? And so let's uh, take a look and uh, read God's word here from Second Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was to the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, his son, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse four continues. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back And say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or go back 10 steps? And Hezekiah answered, It's an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. Then Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps, by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's uh, begin now with the time of prayer. And God, we are so grateful for your word, your living word. We're grateful your son Jesus is described as the very word of God. And God, we pray that your word would speak powerfully to us today. That God, in our stress, you would meet us in this place. And you would come and you would hear our prayers. You would hear our pleas. You would see our tears. And you would be near. You would heal us, Lord. You would add years to our lives. That you would take away our burdens. And that just as you did with Hezekiah, we might see, we might see your glory. We might see you do a great thing in our day, in our lives, that this would have effect. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think we need to have a little bit of background. Hezekiah is not the most common of of names. It's not the most common of stories. When you talk to people, uh, they don't always know uh, where Hezekiah and stories of him might be found in the Bible. And so it's a helpful thing. We, We see right in the beginning of this passage, it says, "...in those days." In those days, well, what was going on in those days uh, is a very dangerous time for for Israel, for Judah. Israel was divided really into two different nation states. There was the Israel in the northern kingdom, and then there was Judah in the southern kingdom. And Israel, the northern kingdom, has been wiped out by the Assyrians. Uh, God has been punishing them uh, for, for being faithless to their God. And, and now the Assyrians are, are coming to attack Judah also. They're, they're making their way to Jerusalem. They, they are crashing in on all sides. Really, uh, Israel uh, Judah was in a, a, a really difficult place. Hezekiah was under a lot of stress because he had enemies on all sides of him. Uh, he had the Assyrians to the north. Uh, Sargon, too, was the, was the king of Assyria, and he was a brutal king. Uh, he didn't just come in and take over a town. He came, uh, came in, he, he didn't just uh, kill you, but he demoralized you. He might skin you and take your human flesh and, and display it at the town gates so that everyone could see. If you mess with me, I'm going to flay you like this other individual. He would take, uh, take uh, skulls and place them in mounds to show his dominance over an area. He would, he would take all the women and children, all the things, plunder the town, and they went town to town to town, destroying. And, and they're, they're arriving to Jerusalem where Hezekiah and some of the Israelites are, are, are holed up. But Assyria is to the north. You have Egypt to the south. Now, at this time the the kings of israel had started to to try and make some deals and to say hey will you come to our aid will you help protect and so they're, they're a little bit less of a threat at the moment, but they continue to kind of uh, take their jabs whenever they get the opportunity. Everybody's afraid of the Assyrians to the north, but the Egyptians are to the south, and then you have Babylon to the east. And Babylon has been battling with Assyria for dominance of the area, and, and they're, they're bigger and badder, and we will see later on that God is going to use Babylon to come in and destroy even Judah, to take away the people of God into exile where they'll be, where they'll be for 400 years. And God will bring them back, but uh, God is going to use the Babylonians to bring his justice, to bring his judgment upon Judah. Uh, He's brought his judgment on Israel, but now he's going to bring it uh, to to Judah and to Jerusalem as well. This is a bitter time. Hezekiah's father was a man named Ahaz. You may have heard of Ahaz. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He, uh, He built a number of altars, to false gods, he he closed up the temple, uh, would not allow temple worship to continue, closed it up, uh, he brought in other kinds of idols into the temple area. And then in his dealings with the Assyrians, he paid a huge tributes to the Assyrians so that they would not come in and destroy uh, Jerusalem, destroy uh, Ahaz's power. And, And while he was having conversations with them, he took notice of one of their altars and said, wow, this is fantastic. Got the blueprints of their altar and brought it back to Jerusalem and set it up. And started to make sacrifices. He was said to make sacrifices on on all the high places, on on every hill and under every green tree Uh, Ahaz would make sacrifices to. Whatever God he could find, he was under a lot of stress as well. And he chose not to go to the Lord, the king of kings. He chose to go to some other mediums, to some other false gods, gods made of wood and of bronze and of stone cut with men's hands. And so Ahaz did not do what was in, right in the eyes of the Lord. And one of the worst things he did uh, was he, he also brought back a practice of sacrificing children uh, to the false gods. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. Um, I can't imagine sacrificing my own son. Uh, he really wanted blessing from somewhere. He really wanted alleviation from the problems of his time. He really wanted and was longing for a peace in his day. But he went about searching after it in all the wrong places. So Hezekiah did not have a good upbringing, shall we say. But Hezekiah was a man who did what was right In the eyes of the Lord. And when he became king, he was 25 years old. He becomes king of Judah. Uh, It's a mess. There's all sorts of problems. He becomes king, but he uh, immediately goes to work, cleanses the temple, opens it up, brings gold back uh, to the doors, uh, gathers up all the priests in Israel, and says, Hey, we need to, to get you consecrated so we can begin to worship the Lord God again in his temple. Let's tear down all of the, the high places and the altars that have been built to all these other false gods and let's get back to the worship of the true God. Uh, he restored the worship practices, the sacrifice practices at the temple and said, everybody, you're, all of Israel, even the northern kingdom, please come. You're welcome here. Uh, this is the place where God has said we are to worship him. We are to sacrifice to him. And so he restored worship at the temple. Hezekiah was a man of God. He got the, the uh, priests to celebrate the Passover. All of Israel was invited to celebrate the Passover feast. Now, because they hadn't been consecrated, because they had been so uh, far away from God for so long, uh, they weren't quite ready, and they had to actually delay the Passover a whole month. But nevertheless, they celebrated the Passover a month late. And uh, the idols in high places, all the altars to false gods, they were all destroyed. This is all background. Uh, you, you've got a number of years, 10, uh, 14 years later, 14 years into his reign, now we see some problems. King Sargon II, he dies he's the brutal Assyrian king. And in his place, his son Sennacherib uh, becomes king. Now in this day, if the king dies and your son takes over, you have this boy king that comes up. Uh, sometimes some of the other powers in the area would go, you know, this might be a good time that we just go ahead and renegotiate this whole, uh, this whole payment that we've got going with you. Maybe uh, we may not Uh, want to pay you anymore uh, because we don't really fear you like we feared your dad. And a number of places uh, continued to fear the Assyrians and they continued to pay tribute to the Assyrians. They continued to pay this ransom payment. But Hezekiah said, no, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay. And that uh, sent Sennacherib into a a fit. And he said, I'm going to come for you. Hezekiah was smart, though. He got to work. He got some, some of the men of the city together, and he said, hey, we need to, we need to stop up these springs, uh, because when, when that army comes and lays siege on Jerusalem, why should they be able to drink uh, from the springs here in Jerusalem? And because we're going to be held under siege, uh, captive in our own city, uh, we need to have access to water. And so they, they started digging a, a tunnel from a, the spring of Gihon, uh, kind of at the base of the city. Uh, they started there and they also started inside the city and they worked their way. And man, if you look at the architectural drawings and, and, or you look at the, the maps of, of all the different directions they went, uh, it's amazing they were able to join up in the middle, but they did. There's a few places where they got off track and they re, I'm not certain how they did it, but they cut through about a third of a mile of solid bedrock with, with axes and picks A third of a mile, hard, hard work. But Hezekiah was a smart man. He knows what's coming. Okay. We're going to withhold this tribute. We're not going to give money anymore. We're not going to be uh, held slave captive to the Assyrians. We're, we're done with this. We worship the Lord. The Lord is our God. The Lord will protect us. And then they watched as the king of Assyria brought his army and destroyed town after town, city after city. Uh, Over 200,000 people were, were taken away. Many more killed, flayed, hung on stakes, crucified. Terrible things, their skin ripped from their body. And now King Hezekiah is deathly ill. He's told by Isaiah, this is your last day. Set, set your house in order. It's, it's time. You're not going to recover from this. Now, we see this a number of times in Scripture where God tells somebody through a prophet, hey, uh, it's not going to go well for you. This is what's going to happen. You're going to die. But really, every time we see that, we should almost be asking the question, well, you could also probably include the fact that when God says, hey, you're, you're surely going to die, he really means you're surely going to die unless... You come to me. Unless you repent, unless you turn your face to me and call upon me, and then I can can save you, I can bring you healing. And this is exactly what happens. Hezekiah is told, you're not going to recover. Get your house in order. Uh, I'm reminded of Nineveh, uh, right? Jonah uh, doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he knows. He goes, God, I know if I go there, those people, they're going to repent, and you're going to have mercy on them. But God, I don't want you to have mercy on them. I want you to to smite them. I want you to destroy them. Uh, And it's what happens. They they turn back. And so Hezekiah, he didn't turn to meds. He didn't turn to uh, video games or distracting himself with TV. He didn't didn't, uh, go to seek uh, comfort in the arms of a woman uh, in a relationship. He didn't uh, go to pornography. He didn't turn uh, to a government agency. Um. He, he, he looked to the Lord, the King of Kings, and he came with a prayer. And the prayer is actually very mindful of a prayer we've already heard before. Uh, he sort of uses some of the same language that King Solomon used in dedicating the temple. So here you have this king uh, recalling, so to speak, the, the language of Solomon when the temple was dedicated. And this is one of the things that, that Solomon said. It's uh, recorded in First Kings 8. But uh, partway through the, the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple, this is what Solomon says. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locusts or caterpillar, or here's probably the, the more applicable part, or if the enemy besieges them in the land at their gates, whatever plague, whatever sicknesses there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hands toward this house, Then, Lord, hear in heaven, hear in heaven your dwelling place, and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land that you gave to our fathers. Solomon's prayer was this God, you've given us this temple and we dedicate it to you. But now, God, remember that when any of your children come, when any of your, your people come before you and they, they spread out their arms to you and they pray to you, will you listen to them? Will you hear their affliction? Will you see their tears? And will you rescue them? Hezekiah is sick. He's got a boil we know because uh, of the cake of figs that's going to be placed upon him to heal him so he's not able to actually go into the temple. He's not able to go up to the temple to pray. He he's cast out but the the prayer didn't say he had to go to the temple. He just had to stretch his arms, his hands toward the house. And so Hezekiah in his condition, in his his sick condition, stretches his hand and God hears his prayer. God offers Hezekiah three promises. He says this, uh, I will add 15 years to your life. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you out of this city, out of the hand of the Assyrians, and I will defend this city. And it's not just, uh, I'm going to defend this city because I like you, Hezekiah. I'm going to defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Uh, We know that Hezekiah doesn't have a son yet. His son, who becomes king after him, uh, will be 12 when he takes the throne. So it's another three years before uh, Hezekiah has a child. God is remembering here his promise to David that, that David and his descendants, he, he, will, he will continue the lineage of David. And there will come one out of them that will be the king, that will be the redeemer, that will be the savior to the world. So one of the first things that we want to remember as followers of Jesus, as Christians, is that when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, we find ourselves in a tough place, we wanna turn to the Lord. There's no other place to go that offers true healing, true forgiveness. We pray to the Lord, we stretch out our hands, and God hears us. We don't just pray to the Lord, though, we also trust in his promises. We trust in the promises of God, and and we see that Hezekiah does this, but at the same time, uh, he's given an option he, he asks, uh, well, what's going to be the sign uh, that this will, will come to pass? What's going to be the sign, God, that you're going to heal me and, and allow me to go back into the temple to worship you? And this is what God gives him an option. He says, okay, do you want the, the, the shadow to go, uh, to go forward or to go backwards on, on, the, on the steps of Ahaz? Now... Uh, in Israel, there must have been a, uh, Ahaz perhaps built a uh, sort of a sundial, but with steps. And so there's steps here and they would put uh, deals. And as the sun would come up, the shadow would fall on the steps. And as we go to noonday, there'd be no shadow because it's directly ahead. But as it would set again, you'd see the shadow uh, on the different steps and you could tell the time. And so this is somewhere close to the temple, somewhere close to the house of David here. And and God says, do you want it to go forward or do you want it to go backwards? Do you want the time to move forward? Do you want the time to, to sort of suspend the shadow to go backwards? Now, we wrestle with, well, uh, in science, did like, something happen to the earth's rotation to make it uh, spin a different way or to, to get the sun to fall back in the sky? And, and I don't think that's the case at all. There's, there hasn't been any scientific evidence that the, the earth suddenly has stopped and reversed direction. Um, but there's there's uh and, and Hezekiah says, I, I don't want it to go forward because that would kind of be easy. Somebody might just look at me and go, well, OK, yeah, yeah you probably just fell asleep, Hezekiah. And you woke up a few hours later and look, the shadow had moved. Uh, so that would be an easy thing, right, for him to just claim, oh, hey, look, this God has actually given me the sign. I'm going to be healed. Uh, and but people go, no, no, no you just fell asleep. You just took a nap. Uh, but he says, oh, I want the harder thing, Lord. I, if it's going to be a sign from you and you're really talking to me and this is really promises from you, Lord, I want it to go backwards. Now, this is the sun we're talking about. Casting a huge shadow on these steps. And so in order for that shadow to go back, unless there's some sort of uh, miracle that the earth turns a different direction or, or stops completely, or I don't, I don't know how it could be physically possible in, in, with our physics, you need a greater light than the sun. You need a, a more powerful light from the sun. And there's a number of places in Scripture uh, where it talks about God dwelling with us. And as he's dwelt, it's it's describing imagery of light. And a light that is is without darkness. That it is a perfect light. Uh, this is, there's an extra biblical word. There's a, a word that some of the rabbis used uh, called... Um, uh, the, the word is uh, Shekinah, and the Shekinah was this glory of God, the, the presence of God, God dwelling with us uh, that would bring this light. And there's a number of places where you see this, but uh, I'm just thinking of Jesus being the very word of God. This is what uh, God's word says in John chapter one, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. First John, John wrote this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So I don't think that there was some strange miracle on the earth. I think what happened was that God's power in the temple was manifest, that God uh, physically manifests his presence in a light, a light that shone brighter than the sun and that took away the shadow of the sun on the steps of Ahaz, shining from the temple. And so Hezekiah has not just uh, received a promise through the prophet Isaiah, but Hezekiah has himself beheld the very glory of God. And he sees God's power and he trusts in the promises of the Lord. He knows he will be healed. And so uh, not only when we are facing times of stress should we turn to the Lord and go to him first and foremost and pray to the Lord, And trust in his promises to us. But we are to be renewed in the presence of God. Renewed in the presence, by the presence of the glory of God. Hezekiah is healed, and after three days, he goes up to the temple. He's able to go up and worship. Now Hezekiah is also received. Uh, we know in Isaiah 37, he's also received this letter from Sennacherib. Hey, I'm coming from you. I'm coming for you. We know in some of Sennacherib's writings that he said he he shut up Hezekiah in in Jerusalem like a caged bird, and he's just sitting there. Sennacherib taunts not only Hezekiah, but he taunts the living God. He he taunts he taunts the Lord, and so Hezekiah takes this letter. And he goes up to the temple and he spreads it out before the Lord and he prays to the Lord, God, save us, save us. Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord, save us. God, we trust in you. Remember your people. Remember your promise to David. Save us, Lord, heal us. Remember your promises to me. Remember the glory. And he had confidence because he had seen the glory of God. After that prayer, Isaiah 37 says, God went out, sent an angel of the Lord. And of uh, the Assyrian army, there were 185,000 in one night that were slain. 185,000 fighting men, some of the best and strongest, most brutal fighters of Assyria were destroyed. Not a single arrow was fired into Jerusalem. Not a single arrow. 185,000 Assyrians slain. Sennacherib turns and he goes back to his own land. He goes to a place called Nineveh and he goes to worship one of his gods there. And as he's worshiping one of his false gods, two of his sons come and stab him, kill him, kill him with the sword. God had planned to bring judgment on Israel through Assyria. But God's plan was really to bring judgment to Judah through Babylonia. And that's what we see in chapter 39 Hezekiah unfortunately forgets to continue to go to the Lord. Instead, people come and they're like, oh my gosh, God has done a great thing here. He's healed you. He's protected you. He's, he's smited the Assyrian army. This is amazing. And people brought gifts from all over the world. And they piled them up in the, into all sorts of storehouses. And, and Hezekiah was rich. And he was going to have peaceful times. And, and the, the fruit of the land came to fruition. People came and Hezekiah showed all the treasures to the people of Babylon. And God came again to Isaiah and says, everything that you've shown is going to be taken away, taken into exile. So here's what I know. I know that when you are in a stressful situation, maybe even stressful where you are physically sick, maybe even to the point of death, I call you, I urge you, I plead with you, to turn to the Lord, pray to God, get on your knees, raise your hands to the Lord and ask him to rescue you. Ask him to redeem you. Ask him to show you his glory. Wait, wait for him to speak and reveal his promises to you. Go into his word and search out God's promises for you and trust in those promises. Trust that God loves you and cares for you and be renewed Be renewed by the presence of the glory of God. Place your hope in God. He brings judgment, but he also brings hope. So place your hope in God. Even in your darkest hour, he will save. That's the message of Hezekiah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for each and every student here. I thank you for many whom you have given uh, a strong family of faith to where they have trusted in you from the time before they could uh, even know uh, what they were saying in prayers. They've had a childlike faith, and I thank you for those here who've grown up with a great example of faith in their homes. God, there are also some here that have not had the same kind of example at home. In fact, they were led to trust in other things, people here who are uh, encouraged to, to try out different remedies, home remedies, different things. But God, you and you alone can save. You and you alone can rescue us from our sin. And in fact, you sent your son Jesus, the light of the world, to rescue us. You have shown us your glory in your son Jesus Christ. And so it's before you that we come. It's through Jesus Christ that we come. In, in him is the only way to you, the Father. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage each one of these students that if they're facing stress, they would come to you, that you would remind them again of your promises and you would display your glory through your son, Jesus Christ. Give them the power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend and to see, have their eyes opened. And, God, may you redeem them and honor, honor them for following after you just as you healed Hezekiah and honored him in his day. In Jesus' name we pray.